Jag, welcome. Um, oh, do you Thanks mind? Thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry. Do you mind introducing yourself briefly? Hey, I'm Jag. Uh, I'm a partner at Angel Invest. We're an early stage uh, investor, one of the uh, earlier investors um, in, in Europe. We love investing and then coaching founders after we've invested um, to the next round. Uh, I've been a founder several times, um, exited uh, a few times, and then I was also a managing director at Techstars where I got to experience um, the fire hose of early stage investing and I also spent over a decade working in politics. So hopefully somewhere in there, in whatever we're talking about, um, there'll be, they'll be they'll, I'll be able to draw on experience from, from a bunch of different um, facets of my life. Love it. Um, I also saw that you're actually one of the most active angel investors in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, so we're actually talking about this right now at, at, at Angel Invest and we're, we're trying to figure out, do, do we fit the definition of super angel or are we just regular angel investors who uh, um, happen to have some institutional backing or are we just, you know, investors who like hanging out with people like you? Um, yeah, it's, it's something that we're, we're, uh, we're trying to figure out ourselves at this time. Yeah, I feel like you guys are definitely more on the angel route than the VC route. Um, but yeah, you guys are definitely unique in that perspective but all right cool um let's get to it then how would you define product market fit that's the million dollar question isn't it um look i I think there's there's no shortage of um answers that are already out there and and as you know luca the, the the thing that we're always coaching our founders is uh, to show some differentiation so i think the 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 path that i'm going to take today is to say product market fit changes depending on a whole bunch of different factors. And and a lot of them aren't necessarily external. It's not about what your customers are saying, whether or not you're fit with them. A lot of it is just depends on your internal ability to deliver a specific product to a specific group of people and satisfy them. Um, there, there, it, you know, it, it, I, I wish that I, I've tried looking at all the different, you know, from from Sean Ellis's uh, product market fit, you know, the 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 forty um, score. I've I've tried looking at. Um, I've spoken to Gustav at, at YC about all the different ways that that um, they talk about product market fit. And honestly, I, I I just I can't get behind any one definition. Every time I speak to a company when I'm looking at, at investing, and they tell me, yeah, you know, we're, we're searching product market fit. And, and we kind of go through the whole rigmarole of, okay, how, how are you testing? What are you doing? What, what are you trying to do to even figure out? And it, there's always a different approach. And here's the, the beauty of, well, I guess the beauty of being an early stage investor is you, I, I get to learn by, by watching. Ha- having been an early stage founder a few times, um, I never quite appreciated this. But, um, you know, when, when you tell people what you're doing and how you're doing it, especially if it's a different way, uh, and, and especially if you're building what I would call a pretty remarkable product um, that's also kind of differentiated. It, it, no one else has done that before. No one else has had to deal with that at that specific time um, or, or in that specific environment or that specific market. And so w- what we're talking about here is uh, if there's a product that's, that's you know, genuine, again, if there's a product that's meaningfully differentiated um, and you've got some semblance of resonance 
with the positioning, the messaging that you're delivering when you tell people, hey, I have this product. Um, and that push and pull seems to be in harmony. That's what I call product market fit. Now, I, I know you're gonna call me out here. You're gonna be like, well, how do you define that? I, I don't think you can. I, I, I just think we, we, we're, we're kidding ourselves if we say there's, there's one framework that's gonna work for every single startup out there uh, to define product market fit. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's, it's funny that you said that. I was gonna ask, well, how do you, how do you define that? Um, I mean, I, I look at it more like as, as, a, as a mixture of numbers. So you take top of the funnel metrics, like how many leads you're converting into, you know, warmly taught leads into customers, um, retention metrics, churn metrics, um, revenue per user, or do you, have, you know, are you paying back your CAC? I think it's a mix of like five, six different things. Um, but like looking, so looking at kind of, you know, everybody has their own definition of it. Um, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I'd say that this is true for my venture now, wasn't necessarily true for, for my previous venture, but like, do you have an example of, you know, of a company, um, whether or not you want to name them, like some, like, you know, who, who has been through that? Um, and, you know, how did they define it? How, how did they approach it? Um, Could it be your own ventures portfolio? Yeah, I think I think it's easier for me to talk about my own my own um, startup from, I guess, it, it, it's going to kind of date me in, in Maybe look old, but you know, the first company I ever built was in 2005, 2006. Um, oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Prehistoric uh, yeah. venture world. <laughs> I was young and naive. Still am. Um, uh, no, but th there's a, so there's a startup I built in 2013, 2014. It was kind of a big data um, play. We we raised a little bit. Of, we actually raised a ton of money, but we had to shut it down. Um, <laughs> um, it was a competitor. To how, how much did you raise? Uh, about 10, 10 million. Oh, wow. Um, and you got, why did you guys have to shut it down? Uh, we were, we were in a space that was a little bit, um, tricky. So we, 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 sh we shut it down for two reasons. One, um, uh, we basically missed the market the, the, from the point where we started talking to our customers, which was very early, um, to the point that we actually delivered the product, the market just moved under us. It was about two years from when we tried to build the products in a very collaborative way to the point where um, we sort of basically shipped something. And we, we basically just missed the big data boat. Uh, by the time we launched the product, the companies that we'd been, been targeting, the companies that we'd actually even signed you know, uh, LOIs with, and, and some of them had even started paying us, they basically had their own internal teams. Um, so when, when, you, when you look at the, how fast Apache Hadoop kind of came on board and, and the adoption of, of all those types of tools in enterprise, um, we just, we, we, we screwed up. It was, it was um, uh, yeah, I, I look back at that and go like, that, that, was a, that was an easy mistake that we could have fixed. Um, but in many ways we also couldn't because sometimes you just, you, you're at the mercy of the market. Um, anyway, to, so to go back to the, product market fit, right? Like, so the, the point where we started speaking to customers, it's like 2011, 2012. Um, and at that point, there were a whole bunch of metrics that we could have looked at that would have told us we were on the path to having product market fit. And then you launch the product and then you realize, crap, like we've, we've completely missed it. So 
to, to go back to your point, like I think you, you mentioned, um, I, I guess the, the way I would say is maybe we weren't even talking about product market fit early. We were probably talking about vision market fit early on where all we're doing is just exposing, um, we're, we're exposing our passion for the product and, and our job as, as you know, company leaders um, is to get the, um, to get the customer or the target that we're, you know, whoever we're targeting, right? Like it may not be, may not even be a customer, may just be an investor, um, to get them to understand that we're competent. Like I think that's in, in an early stage, like we're basically saying, look, we're, we're competent and we're passionate. Um, and then once you get to launching the product, once, you, once you've launched the product, once even if you have customers and the customers are like, yeah, we love this product, uh, this is exactly what we need. Um, because the, the, we're, we're dealing with two different dimensions here. There's a product dimension and then the market dimension. And both of those don't necessarily move in the same direction or, or velocity. So in our case, we missed the market. Um, product was great. Just the market shifted where teams, enterprises, sorry, realized that they could just build teams internally. Instead of paying us 400K a year, they could just hire like three or four guys and, and, uh, or girls and, and just build it internally. And in fact, they'd already started doing that. So um, I think I, I sort of look at, um, if, if, we, if we go back to that, um, if, if we go back to that passion versus competent um, scale or, or, sorry, let me rephrase. If we go back to the the passion versus competence kind of axes, um, there's a point where you have to show not just competency but proficiency in terms of um, and and I'm, I'm talking this is a little bit later when when you're at the growth stage. We, you you let's say you put out some content um, and you see your own co-founders, your employees are interacting with the with the with the content, right? you recognize when they're just skimming past it. Um, and then you also recognize when they're, um, when they're really engaging with whatever content you're putting out there. So I'm using the word content because uh, I'm struggling to find a better word. Um, but this is essentially the message that, hey, this is what our product is. This is what our pricing is. This is the value that you're gonna derive if you use our product. Um, or, hey, you've been using our product for a little bit now, turns out, your your team's really happy with this. Your team's really excited. Your your team wants wants even more of our product. Um, I guess like you could say that's product market fit, but we had that, and and at the same time, um, uh, it, it didn't go well for us, right? Interesting. Let's let's dig deeper into failure. Actually, at product market fit. Um, what would be like, what's, what's like the most common reason you see companies folding during, you know, while searching for product market for, or in the case of your, your, your company, um, yeah. after launching and actually finding it. Um, so again, you know, we, we were a bit of an edge case cause we, we just returned cash cause we were just like, yeah, this, this is not going to work. <laughs> oh, you gave the uh, money back. We, we gave a lot of money back. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, probably about 50, 60%. Um, uh, f fun fact, it's actually hard to give money back because some <laughs> investors are just like, like they just don't respond to 
like <laughs> they just don't respond to anything to go like hey I, I've got money sitting in the bank account like I want to close the bank account I need to close the company I need to give the money back to you can you give me your like details and like just no response um, anyway uh, the, the 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 I think the single biggest reason um, we see companies failing you know besides the office running out of money is um, premature scaling like they try and they start scaling their team um, or you know, scaling their branding, or or even doing paid marketing um, before they even have revenue, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's that premature scaling bit that that probably kills um, the vast majority of startups. I'd say eighty percent that I see. But why do you, why do you think that happens? Do you think they they think they found product market fit and then they scale and then they're like, oh shit, I don't have product market fit. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, precisely, and that, that's one of the reasons why I think we're all so obsessed with trying to find a definition for product market fit because we we want to give ourselves that comfort. Um, you know, looking at it objectively, like there's a psychological aspect here. We're, we're we're looking for that comfort to go. Okay, cool. I, I've done this, and now now that I've got now that I've achieved this, if I do this other thing, it, it's not going to come back and bite me. And yet, time and time again, we we see startups failing um and i'm talking I'm, I'm including growth scale growth startups scale-ups um even post ipo companies um sometimes struggle with with this uh they launch a new product and then and then you know they assume that they've they've figured everything out and and then they just go big yeah interesting um i've actually just experienced that now we so we um we actually also thought that so an aspect of our product right now has product market fit. That's let's say once you enter, once you become a customer, right, that works really well. And right. one thing we were thinking was in terms of the funnel, we're like the marketing funnel, like, hey, like this also works, let's just scale it. So we actually ended up overhiring um, and, and then ultimately, you know, we had to let people go or, you know, kind of change the team around because we actually just did prematurely scale. Uh, luckily, we kind of caught that quite literally within weeks. Unfortunately um, for us, unfortunately for, for, for the people, obviously. Sure. But, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a question of our, we thought our funnel worked when it's kind of like it works for this budget and for this, for this target, but not if we want to, you know, go from spending, let's say five, 10 K per month and on unpaid ads to like 50, 60. And so now we're in that phrase where it's kind of like, all right, we need all ends of the puzzle to actually work. Otherwise, you know, growth and supply just don't won't match. Yeah, what 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 do you see as? Because um, so so much of the advice out there is like in terms of finding product market fit, it's just continuously. I, I guess it's that continuous iteration. You know, build, engage uh, in in um, conversations with users. Um, what what do you think? is the thing that, that like helps there is that it or is there something else that helps find it or that that or people fail that helps find it um i think it's just being like obsessively like number driven okay um and i think it's kind of in the last investor update i sent it's like like oftentimes you'll look at the data but it's oftentimes not what the data is telling you but what it's not telling you yeah right uh, and that screwed us. That's pushed us back a month or two before. Um, obsessively speaking to customers, but I, I actually, like, it sounds terrible, but I just feel like the main thing is just incompetence. <laughs> so if you're just like, I mean, it's funny, but it's like, 
you know, if you're incompetent, you're incompetent, right? I mean, the best way to, to become competent is to continuously look at, look at the numbers and speak to customers. Yeah. It's not, you don't have to be smart, but you will be incompetent if you don't do that. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess what, we're, what we're really talking about is there's a, like, it, you, you can't just, you know, simply high, like score really high on, on NBS. Like it, it is more complicated and nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, and that's where I guess management, um, you know, your, your team, your customers are fortunate because you've been a, you're, you're an experienced like pair of hands. Um, I mean, your whole team is. And so you've got, the ability and the foresight to know, kind of know what's coming around the corner a little bit. The, fa the fact that you caught this problem early is, is a great sign. That gives me a lot of uh, confidence that you know, we <laughs> you're, you're the kind of founder we want to back. Um, uh, Hope so. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like, again, it, 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 I don't think anyone's got a, a you know, perfect recipe. Um, and, and again, I've, I've spoken to people who built five, six, companies and, and have led companies that, that you know went went public and, and no one i think i don't think anyone has has that the has found the truth to the problem of product market fit i don't think anyone's got um that perfect recipe to get there i i, I do think it's just very nuanced and complicated i agree yeah definitely i definitely agree i don't think it's any it, it gets any easier in a sense but um i i feel like just focus right i think like a lot like i like i, I remember this this one venture like their their starting team was included a social media manager and like a paralegal. It's like, but that's not what a starting team should be, right? I feel like bad hiring decisions, bad burn decisions. It's kind of like the whole company needs to focus on that one and only problem. Yeah. Um, like, what do you what are you seeing as like you know product market fit searching like that search crew in the portfolio? Like, what what is that team made up of? Honestly, this is where um, I'm. I'm starting to appreciate um, looking at teams in a little bit more holistic way. Again, we invest very early, as as you know, um, when it's usually just a few co-founders. Maybe they have a, a couple of employees. Um, and I think uh, as an investor, I've, I've one of the things that I've learned is I need to look at the core team a little bit more and understand do they does the core team itself you know excluding employees maybe you factor in one employee at most but does the core team have what it takes to really um get to wherever they need to 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 be but then also do they have the do they know how to really make this rocket ship and or, sorry let, let me rephrase that do they know how to really um, light a fire under this and make this grow. So not, you know, let, let's, let's scratch the rocket ship uh, analogy. Do, do they just understand what levers they have to pull to make this grow? Um, and you'd be surprised at how many teams, including ones that I've backed in the past, um, where the, the, there was just that incompleteness on the founding team itself. And so if the founding team, my, my assumption and my, my, my thesis right now is if the founding team has that kind of incomplete um, component within the DNA that's going to extend to the company you know, for for a while. If 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 they're able to grow and and if they're able to raise more money, um, it's it's going to be baked into that DNA. And so um, uh, I, I think there are ways of 
of kind of fixing that and you can address that by hiring the right people but i think you just you you generally have to be a lot you have to be very lucky um versus having a core team that completely understands and and also has that laser sharp focus like you said of understanding what it is that what is that one thing that we're we're really searching for and then coupled with good management from from the ceo um to go okay cool like i i know how to prioritize i know how to allocate resources and then prioritize and then reprioritize if needed how do you so i mean you've invested in well over 100 companies right yeah so i mean that's nuts right i mean that, that's kind of a rare i guess that's, that's like a rare thing to hear so how do you how do you like identify that you know this is the team that's going to do it or this is like the ceo or, or you know this is the founding team that's that's right for it is it gut is it numbers is it kind of like market execution like how do you look at that you know it's a, it's a combination of things um i i've got a and bear in mind like it's not like i did 100 investments in like two years right it's 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 now been over nine ten years since i've well, i actually have been investing for 12 years as an angel first um and then i joined joined uh tech stars and then it became a gp and angel invest and um so, so it's it's over a considerable amount of time i'm probably at over i've got over 100 personal portfolio companies and then through the fund there's another hundred and and so on so um it, it averages out to like maybe 20 30 year 20 year maximum and with all of these um it, it i just have to rely on whatever signals i can pick up so there's there's the challenge with early stage companies is you know they're they're always less visible by nature right like when you were starting out, what metrics did you have? Like you, you, you just kind of have to feel them out. You, you just got to, you got to be qualitative. Um, and because I, I, I invest across a bunch of different sectors, like I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't have a, if I had a specialty, it's probably going to be in data and ad tech, but because, because of my, um, I guess my, my, my founding experiences, the successes and failures in, in the space, um, I've probably got PTSD. So I just can't look at any, any data company or any ad tech company and just go, Okay, I really want to. I really want to jump back in this space. Um, so, it, because I'm, I'm I'm much more of a agnostic, a sector agnostic, and generalist investor, I'm I just have to pick up signals from wherever I see them. And I think I've learned to trust other people. I've learned to be able to read other investors who are recommending me a, a deal or two, um, and then just spending time with the founders. That's probably. Uh, Finding some, I, I, I find founders who are a little bit more creative at problem solving um, tend to perform a little bit better uh, uh, with you know with their startups. But it it only applies to early stage companies. Like the minute you 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 know you get to growth at that point, like your management skills are are way more valuable than your your problem solving skills, right? Um, once once you've achieved this mythical product market fit or message market fit or vision market fit or whatever fit uh, we're talking about. Um, at that point, like there's a bunch of different set of skills that, that you kind of need to evaluate. And, um, and and that's where, you know, I, I think a lot less like an investment banker, I guess. Um, so I, I tend to discount a lot of um, financial models, whereas I, I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends who, who I deeply respect who are early stage investors who, um, We'll spend hours pouring over a, 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 you know, an early stage company's financial model. 
Jack, moving into the last two questions or so, um, 2023 is obviously a, a rough market for raising money, right? Especially if you haven't found product market fit. Um, <laughs> other than the obvious, like keep costs low, go to profitability, <laughs> all that type of stuff. Like what is your, what's your recommendation for those out there searching? I think, I think the advice we're giving everyone is fuck product market fit. Go find investor market fit. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, Honestly, like there, there is, you know, there are so many things that are going to become important over the next um, few months. It's the most important is going to be your ability to deliver a financial return to your to your investors. Um, but that's that's me looking at it from an investor lens. If I were um, a CEO, uh, you know, you have like I mean, you have a responsibility to your employees. Your your you've got internal stakeholders. Um, you know, your co-founders a lot of people around you include and your customers um and the, i think the the thing that i'm stressing to founders that are maybe not just you know probably at your stage right like they they've they've raised some money some things are working there's a bunch of things that they're they're in the process of figuring out um it's about making sure that you also communicate um properly to all of your stakeholders and make sure that they're aware of What's happening? I think one of the, just just to draw the conversation back to the product market fit um, challenge or the, the the challenge of defining product market fit. What tends to happen is um, when when you think you've got product market fit, you speak to your customers and you say, "Cool, we've got this product. It's going to solve this problem for you." And then it it transpires that actually the either the customer doesn't really have that problem or they didn't define the problem the right way. Um, or, or, or actually, what what I'm seeing with several companies now is um, their the needs of the customers are changing and adapt, and and the companies are slow to adapt. So, why are they slow to adapt? Well, because they just never communicated with the the customers, and then they also at the same time didn't communicate with their investors to let them know that, hey, we're we're in a market where things are shifting, and and the if the sands are shifting. We're going to need a little bit more help. We're going to need a little bit more guidance where we might need more money. Um, and so the, the, the biggest challenge is, and we've got this at our fund, where a, a founder comes to us and goes, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm about to run out of money in six weeks. Um, can, can, you, can you bridge us? And uh, ha had we known three months ago, we might have been able to do something about it. But um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's super important to, to be able to communicate uh, early, I think. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I spoke to a couple of founders that are kind of like, oh, but you know, it's like, I don't have anything important to say or like, like whatever. I don't need to update everybody about this. It's kind of like, no, you need to update everybody about it. Be super transparent. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they, and they always forget also to update their customers. Um, I, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of early stage founders that forget that their early customers, um, may are well there a lot of early a lot of early stage founders forget their customers are always more forgiving than they think they are and so like talk to your customers and go hey like there's a chance we might be running out of money and uh we may not be able to deliver this product to you after i don't know october this year how's how do you feel about that what what can we do is there something we can we can we can figure out in the interim like do you want to do you want to spot us an extra six months of of fees is that possible you know like it's about having that 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 car those conversations um i think it's very important to do that yeah spot on spot on 
um, yeah, taking up yearly payments and stuff, which we actually push um, as well. I think most a lot of SaaS companies do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, agreed. And my last question is on reading material, follow-ups. Like, what would you recommend as like, you know, life-changing? You definitely need to read this if you're in that phase. Ooh. Um, well, I, I would be... Um remiss not to plug my own book that just came out a couple of months ago. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Message, true. It's called Message Machine. Yep, it's a bestseller on Amazon. Go, go, go get it. Um, at this time, it's not yet available in any of the pirated ebook uh, stores. I imagine it will. <laughs> See, that, that's, that's how I look at product market fit for, for a book. I'm like, oh, it's, is it available on Amazon? Is it a bestseller? Eh, yeah, it is, but that's not product market fit. It's, it's when it shows up on the pirated kind of ebook uh, Zlib type sites. That's when you know you've got real product market fit. <laughs> um, uh, but honestly, I, I think the 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 books that I'm recommending are are probably the the tried and tested kind of originals. Um, uh, shit, I'm 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 drawing a blank right now. That's okay. Uh, let me let me let me come back to you on that one. All right. Why don't we Why don't we just briefly really touch on your book? What's What's your book about? Um, a, anything you want to basically touch on that, which yeah, touches uh, topics as well, obviously. So for sure. I mean, we we talked we talked a little bit about this, but um, we're 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 probably uh, like we start off with this with it actually came across it came out because my my co author and I uh, Oliver my co author is a, a, a you know PR uh, practitioner and a communications expert and and. His, he's taken companies public and and uh, and always and and run kind of investor rooms for for mature public companies, but we came across this quote from uh, Ben Horowitz, um, you know, founder of Andreessen Horowitz, and um, he basically says, as a company grows, its biggest challenge always becomes communication, and we started just having conversations, um, not too dissimilar from from the conversation we're having now, um, and we. Basically, wanted to. We we then tried to find books that talked about this, which you know, like what what are the books that that help spare founders the, um, uh, the the the, ch the challenges and the, the the problems that come as a result of of um, uh, the 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 being a great team that's got like fantastic products and, and like services, but you know, they just, they just can't figure out how fast enough, how to get noticed, right. Or, or build trust or, or even just simply sell the product. And so if, if, um, if we could spare founders that agony of, of an existential crisis that, that comes, um, through stronger communications that can lead to growth, then, then, and, and, and we, we talk about growth, not just in terms of revenue, but also, you know, creating jobs right and, and real world impact and, and valuation um and so i think the, the premise that we we've we've arrived at is if you don't communicate you don't exist um but we've we've gone into detail and it's it's meant to be a book that's we're, we're, we tried not to make it a um a tactical like hey you know this is what you need to put in your pitch deck um it's aimed at slightly later stage founders who've already uh uh gotten their product to work you know they've raised a couple of rounds of funding um and so what we're saying is we want to help founders and, and the, the startups and, and also the teams around these founders um, to really become unstoppable and, and to become what we call message machines. Um, and so the book's called Message Machine. It's available on Amazon, on Kindle, and soon also on Audible. Um, 
and the, the again the premise is we want to help and organize help these companies become um an organization that's just mastered communication and, and uses all the skills in a strategic way to achieve whatever objective they got whether it's whether it's you know re-securing product market fit or it's about just telling a story and, and taking a company public love it i just actually put out my to do's to, to order it. i remember you were working on it and then i had no idea that it actually came out so congrats yeah. that's great thank you thank you it's labor of love um yeah we're, we're we're borrowing a lot of uh a lot of startup uh, best practices in terms of launching. I mean, we, we're going to launch like three more times, I'm sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine launching a book. I feel like I just like completely, like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> did you guys self-publish actually? We did. Uh, we, we, we actually routed it through a, pu a publisher. My, my co-author's written a couple other books. So, um, uh, he kind of basically built a, a little publishing house for himself. And, uh, so we routed it through there, but, um, it, it's just, I mean, that's a whole other industry that I'd, I'd sure. we, we, could, we could spend another hour talking about at some point, I'm sure. Sure. All right, then to close up, do you have any final final comments and thoughts? Um, ooh, that's tough. Um, I think I go back to what, what we started talking about or how we started talking about this, which is this is fundamentally a, um, a challenge that not very many people at least, at least not to my knowledge, have, have figured out. There is no one recipe for product market fit. Um, and this comes from having backed and, and, and mentored and seen hundreds of companies um, over the last 10, 12, 13 years. Um, and so like the, the person who cracks this, uh, I will, uh, I, w I wanna meet that person. I, I, I would love to, um, figure out like who that person is who can tell me, yeah, this is the exact formula or recipe um, that, that is applicable to every single startup out there um, in terms of product market fit. So my, my thesis is it's hard, but hey, we're all founders because we like hard problems, right? Yeah, we, we, we like hard problems because we thought they were going to be easy. <laughs> you saw that flying around Twitter, right? I did. I, did. Yep. I even think Elon Musk posted that. And I, was, I was dying. I was like, oh, that's so true. I thought the same thing about banking. I thought the same thing about healthcare. Um, but cool. Yeah. I mean, thanks a lot for your time. Um, and that's basically it. So we can. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Um, pleasure. So let's, let's pretend we, we've stopped recording now. Um, right. uh, what do you think we missed? How, how do you think that went? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I probably could have been a bit clearer on, on a couple of points in terms of um, what that search for product market fit really looks like, and okay. and, and you know the, the signals that founders use, I guess. But you've I, at the same time you've covered most of this, and in, in, I listened to I think your first podcast, um, and when you, it was just you and Jess, maybe. Uh, it's, you guys kind of covered a lot of that, so I was trying to I was trying to find a way not to be repetitive. No, that's all right. I think I don't think I definitely think it was repetitive. I think um, for me, a big takeaway was definitely the the formula thing. Everybody's kind of looking for a formula, but the truth is, just like you just have to define it on your own. Um, yeah. And and actually, like it's almost this probably applies more to investors, but. Um, the conviction that you uh, 
say that you have product market fit matters almost more than the actual product market fit you have. That's so true. Yeah. It's like a confidence thing at the end of the day. It's like, right? I just know it. It's, it's yeah. growing. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's growing. And like, how do you know it's growing? Well, you know, and, and if they hear it from two or three other investors and it's like, oh man, that, that product, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's going, it's, it's just falling off the shelves and, and uh, customers just love this. That's it. Yeah. Like that, that's literally the due diligence that they've done. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. It's more of a feeling than a metric. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, and then I also like the premature scaling part. We, I didn't discuss it with anybody previously, but that, you know, if, if we didn't catch this earlier, that, you know, I mean, it's an expensive mistake, right? Super, We're talking, super. for us, it was like over 100K. Like, it's like a bad, bad mistake. So yeah, premature scaling is definitely really bad. And I think everybody does that. Yeah. Like, I haven't met like a super lean, mean machine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So let's let's actually talk about that a little bit because premature scaling is is only solved by having, and it, it goes back to the, that that what we talked about the management layer, uh, man, the management of resources. But ultimately, what we're talking about is just discipline, right? It's about someone, and and like you said, it someone knowing that they need to continuously look at a dashboard and make decisions and make the call. And some of those calls are going to be painful for, for everyone involved, but you've got to be able to, you have to have that discipline and then you've got to have the, the, the strength to be able to call, to, to make the call. Elaborate. What do you mean? Uh, like call for how, what? How did you catch, how did you catch oh. this? The, the, like, how did you catch that? The, the, that the fact that you were prematurely scaling. Oh, I mean, so in our case, we were planning capacity and we just realized um, that we're not going to hit our growth goals because we won't be able to scale the budget. Even if we, you know, even if we want to hit the growth goals, we can't because our operations and our product is just not in place to, to be able to take on more than a certain amount of customers per month. Right. Because um, at this point, a lot of what we're doing is very manual. And, uh, and that's just how we designed it. We purposefully, deliberately didn't build any code. Um, and so we said, we hey, we need to take at least two months to fix ops um, or three months. And like, we basically can't fill up the, the capacity. So we're throwing away, you know, X amount of tens of thousands of dollars per month if we keep it. And we just quite literally two weeks in said, you know, sorry, but this is the reality. So you caught it because you have a layer of management and you were disciplined the fact that you were disciplined because you were looking at it you 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 were doing the you were you were planning out resources in advance like how many series b series c startups forget to do that that's like true 